Welcome to Life on Purpose, and uh, you know, had a great time this past weekend. Got to see uh, mm-hmm. people coming up to us and, and kind of looking at us a little strange, uh, Ryan, David, because they didn't know we had bodies. I know <laughs> there is something beyond this. <laughs> <laughs> wow, just yeah. seeing our floating heads. Yeah, they're just kind of looking at us. So you know, I just I walked around going, "Hey, this, oh, oh, yeah, this is you." <laughs> but, uh, did they did they pull out their phones and like kind of just look at the through the screen? No, no, it's but uh, yeah, I, I got caught. Miss um, Becky Boyette uh, decided that oh. she would catch me on the phone. Uh, I was actually Daniel texting your mom, and you know why. But uh, yeah, she she made a big deal that I was on my phone on Shabbat. So oh. <laughs> uh, I remember last time we did something together here at this actually this office wasn't there like a we like put phones away and stuff. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm guilty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Of course, it's you that's getting in trouble, though, Dan. Of course, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, no doubt yeah. about that. So. But, yeah, uh, while you were on the phone, Ryan was just like, "Man, look at Mike over there. Just he's just talking to me. Man, look at Mike over there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. On his phone. What's up with yeah, that? Yeah, I found out that Ryan was talking about me on the headset. So, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh, in case hey guys, we get to uh, we get to work together soon. Uh, somebody want to announce soon. that? Yeah, we're going to be in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. We uh, we mentioned it one accord one accord dot com and you can go there to be registered for especially for getting meals on Shabbat. Definitely get signed up for that because guess what? It's coming really, really soon. Mm-hmm. April thirteenth, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, or is it the fifteenth? I'm trying to remember that. That's the one thing I always miss up. Fifteenth. There we go. Fifteenth. Yeah. So fifteenth. And so definitely show up. It's gonna be an amazing time. And we're and we're all gonna be there. Not like this last weekend where we were just wasn't yeah. all of us. Mm-hmm. We have one excluded because of family. Yeah, so. yeah, we're gonna have, we're gonna have a good time <laughs> and um, get to meet some new people. I, I actually got to talk to some folks. Uh, I was up in Nashville last night at the Haya Bell meeting. Uh, walked in and uh, Tommy said, "So you're speaking." And I went, "Oh, okay, how'd that happen?" <laughs> but uh, I got to do the wrap up, and um, uh, I don't call it offering anymore. I, I I refuse to take an offering anymore. Uh, we we will receive an investment. And so mm-hmm. when you give into the kingdom, you're investing in something. And so that's a, a new exactly. terminology maybe to help people to, to kind of consider that uh, are, are they investing in the right places? I mean, was that subtle enough, guys? Yeah. I think we've mentioned that a lot of times before. I think that it's right. It's not just giving an offering. There's times where you actually got to put some skin in the game. You actually got to invest some time in because – You'll think that, oh, well, I don't have enough time. I don't. And then you end up finding out there is some time you can spend or there is some money that you can mm-hmm. afford to do these things. And honestly, it is it goes a long way. I know that what I get for $10 doing what I'm doing in a mundane situation goes a lot further when I'm doing something in a, in a kingdom sense. Maybe yeah. that's a better way of saying it. It really does go much further. It goes a long, long way. So you're right. It's worth the investment. Invest. Don't just give an offering. Yep. Just fill the fill the uh, what, what do they call those little plates? I, that's escaped my mind. Those little plates that they pass around the coffers. I think they, they yeah. pass those around, and it's like, yeah, it, it's it works though. It really does. But if you realize it was an investment, there'd be a lot of things getting done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, call, call it an investment of, plate now. Yeah, because yeah. God's in the business of making a massive return on investment. He really mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. He really is. That's true. Ryan, you want to chime in before we move on? Uh, it's interesting you say that because um, I heard a quote today by Helen Keller, of all people. And she oh. said, if I'm going to spend my life, I'm going to invest it. Oh, boy. Mm. I like yeah. that. That's good. Yeah. That good one. Yeah. Good. yeah. Um, <clears throat> good. I heard a good one uh, today, actually, that, uh, you know, we don't we don't do what people – 
think of when they think of prosperity gospel. We also don't do the poverty gospel, but mm-hmm. we do mm-hmm. the pur- purpose gospel. And so, mm-hmm. and when you're in the kingdom, every every um, every amount of everything you have has a purpose. And if you're not putting it toward its purpose, then it will rot away. Wow. Kind of like, you know, like your life on, on purpose. Mm-hmm. I'd make a great so, title for a like podcast. That. Yeah. yeah we should get on that. Yeah. We should do that. <laughs> we should see some people about that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we should. We should. So, uh, and I do have to give a little bit of, I don't like the word shout out. I think that's silly, but um, <laughs> I, I do want to uh, just uh, uh, mention that I got to meet uh, one special young man this past weekend. Uh, I believe his name was Daniel also. And um, he is the originator of, oh, that program with the three young guys and the old guy. Wait. Yes, I did see you talking to him, didn't I? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I met him too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> did you, did you, uh, did you remind him that that's what, <laughs> yeah, oh my goodness. Yeah. And so, uh, um, yeah, I told him to, to be careful. Cause I, I, you know, I, I hurt very easily. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, just change it in your mind. Just like you're changing offering to investment in your mind, just change old to wizened or, uh, experienced Top dog. whenever you hear it. Okay. Top dog. okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what we do. Okay. How many of you, out of the three of you, how many of you have ever had someone ask you, what is your favorite verse? Mm. I have had that, yes. Okay, so Ryan, what is your favorite verse? What is my favorite verse? I can't necessarily say I have a favorite verse. Oh, (laughs) so it was a question that you haven't answered yet. It might be. I I will say I have a favorite passage. Okay, what is that? I I wrote a song about it. in uh, the song "Remember Me," the thief on the cross. Ah, got it. Okay, okay. Well, I guess we'll uh, we'll accept most, that. We'll accept mostly that because a... mostly because that passage just confounds everybody's theology. Oh yeah, totally and completely. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we'll accept that as a, as a correct answer. Uh, mm-hmm. Daniel, uh, I can't say anyone's asked me my favorite verse, but uh, my email is. Music for him, 139, which is after my favorite psalm of Psalm 139. Um, just that whole psalm of being seen by God no matter where you are, that there's no place you can go, that he is not there, that he doesn't see you. So, okay. in a nutshell. All right, got it. Mr. Cobert? I There's a lot of them that I like. I think I like passages better from Ryan, but I think the one that jumps to my mind is Psalm 1, the uh, being, being like a tree planted by the streams of living water. That's one that really... Uh, that was a recent one that really became a favorite of mine. Okay, great. Uh, mine have come down to two different ones. Uh, one of them is in Psalm. It is uh, this poor man cried in the, and I don't know, I heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Uh, the other one would be uh, Philippians chapter three, verse 10. This is really my, really my, the, the verse I just kind of go back to all the time uh, to know him and the power of his resurrection. You know that that kind of sums up life, really, to Sarah. So, well, if if yeah. we have a favorite verse, uh, is it possible that Satan has a favorite verse? Oh man, Whoa. that's nasty! Whoa! Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, I, I'm actually going. Yeah. I'm going with this one. Actually, oh wow, you could. Uh... When you get broadsided out of the fog. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so you like you like that, you like that little intro yeah. there? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my goodness! What on earth? Well, well the, we're going we're going to uh, we're going to reveal that verse in just a moment. All right, but uh, you know, I, I think part of one of the one of the things of that you you learn in life is to listen. Mm. Now you know it's it's the old adage that uh, look in your mirror. You have two ears and one mouth. Maybe God was trying to tell you something. <laughs> okay, I like just, that. Yeah. yeah, just yeah. just saying. So, um, mm-hmm. but listening in life is an art because if you listen, you will hear the voice of the Father. Now, 
when I say hearing the voice of the Father, hearing the voice of God, how how would you describe that concept to if someone says to you, uh, you know, I really want to hear his voice, how would you guys go about describing that? Daniel? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he knew I wanted to chop on it. Chop at the bit. Let's go. Yeah. If you had asked me five years ago, then I would have described it in the sense of how the prophets heard him. Okay. Or how how, how it's kind of described in uh, the Torah and the Tanakh where, you know, they, they hear audibly the a voice calling to them, you know, Samuel. Um, you know, I thought you called me when, uh, when he was trained or, you know, with Elijah, I think it was, mm-hmm. um, well, Elijah, Eli. 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 um, so had you asked me five years ago, I would have said when you audibly hear something that you just know that it's not of this world, but I, I would have said that out of a place of inexperience mm. and out of speculation. Mm. Um, but now if someone asked me the question, do you hear God? Do you hear from God? My answer is without reservation, yes. And how would I describe his voice? Um, I, I don't even think I would necessarily answer that question because the term voice limits it to one specific thing. Oh. And if you think of someone's if you think of someone's voice, you know, think about being in the middle of a, a group of people and then you hear someone you know very, very well speaking, you hear their voice, but you can filter out what they're like, who it is through all the crowd. And so there's something that happens that does reach your ear, but Mm -hmm. it's just something that someone is expressing. And so I would, I would kind of define it more down to when you recognize that someone is speaking, not Mm -hmm. do you hear their voice. And so if I explain it practically, it's it's being in a time of prayer, in a time or a uh, a lifestyle of prayer, and having a prompting, you know, something that you wouldn't necessarily think of yourself, but comes into your mind to do. Like Ryan, you were talking about last week. Uh, you know, you just felt the need, like you were supposed to pray for that woman, and it ended up being, you know, this really uh, awesome moment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this prompting. Um, a kind of a an illustration or a picture in your head that's happened to me before um or just a word just one single word pops into your head so that's how and you know very quickly i would describe that okay <laughs> but of course i've had hour and so on long conversations about this very subject with yes many a person yeah a little, little nutshell there okay oh yeah yeah right if you don't say something quick david's going Oh, I know, right? <laughs> I was going to say, I really don't have much to add to that. Okay. that, that in, in my opinion, that really sums it up. Okay. Um, I, I can say that uh, in talking with people, I know, uh, you know one person I talked to said they you know, they hear from God constantly, like you were talking about the prompts, the, um, you know, thinking of a thought like, well, where did that come from? You know, that kind of thing. They've also heard like an audible voice, mm-hmm. you know, that, that kind of thing. So like you say, saying voice alone, it does yeah, limit it. Not enough. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I, I think that that you're absolutely right about that. That's that whole idea of I like what you said. Voice is just too narrow of a of a of a thinking pattern for that kind of idea because most of the time it's a planted thought, and you recognize that whoa, that that's wild. Uh, that, that that was it felt random, but it felt so to the point that I have to mm-hmm. now investigate at this point. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've found, especially when you're talking with somebody that you're listening to what they're saying, but you're also mm-hmm. then going, father, where's this, where's the unction? Where are you going with this? Where are you wanting to take me with this? What can I do to represent you best when I'm talking to someone that's going through this? Because I felt like those, the, I would call maybe unction or I would call a direction that is being provided, whether that be through a thought or whatever, there's a, there's an idea then there's also there's also a audible voice. I've had the experience of actually having an audible voice tell me something specifically. Mm-hmm. And those were extremely mm-hmm. powerful moments. But it really wasn't meant for an individual for me. It was meant actually for me. It was a direct audible thing for me in that in my situation. I know some people actually have had that, and that's great. Everyone has their own thing. Mm-hmm. But I know for a fact that it does happen and he will guide you if you're you mentioned that that a key point, that lifestyle of prayer. 
because I think there is a certain level of peace that you've got to have. And mm-hmm. there's a good way of getting there, fasting. <laughs> it's a really great way of <laughs> That's true. getting yourself to that humble state of, okay, whatever you tell me, I'm going to do because yeah. I'm fasting for you. I'm listening for you. I'm listening to what your guidance is on this. Sometimes things are way more challenging than just a flippant yes or no answer, right? <laughs> That's life. Life is so much more difficult than that. So I think you did sum it up great thing. And that was right on. Yeah, I do too. Because, you know, when we talk about hearing from God, um, if that is just a voice that we're listening for, then it, it's kind of like, well, if it doesn't happen in this exact manner, then I don't hear from God, mm-hmm. which is, by the way, kind of going along the same line of getting to where uh, to the enemy's favorite verse in, in just a, mm-hmm. a moment or two. Um, mm-hmm. What about random seeming, hello, seeming random events that when you put them together, there could be no way that they were random. Mm. Absolutely. One thing we can look at is the concept of two or three witnesses. Um, that is true in yes. something that happens in establishing truth and fact where, you know, you have two or three witnesses that can say, yes, that happened. We saw that happen. Um, but I like that David used the word investigate uh, in the middle of what he was saying, because that's a good word for what we're talking mm-hmm. about, because there are thousands upon thousands of thoughts that enter your head. But that word investigate is taking the time to look into it. And so the mm-hmm. same thing that you're getting at, Dad, this you know, these events, you know, you're praying about something, you're going through something, and all of a sudden you notice a, a, a number five times in a row in a day, and you never notice numbers. You don't notice that kind of thing. Or you you see uh, someone wearing the color blue, you know, and you meet five people wearing the color, you know, just, again, seemingly random, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden you're picking up on it because, you know, presumably maybe you're bringing it to the father, and he's starting to like, you know, whisper this answer and it's like a whisper and then mm-hmm. some time and then a whisper and then some time. And so, um, but that idea of two or three witnesses, these things coming together. Mm-hmm. Well, scripture does tell us to, to test the spirits. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's really important. Um, like you said, you, cause you, sometimes you're getting barraged maybe with different thoughts or, or different things. So, you know, discerning where those are coming from and how you should act in that is extremely important. Um, and then, like you were bringing up, Mike, the circumstances or things happening that you're, you're looking at going, okay, had these had this cycle of events not taken place in this order, none of this would have taken place. I'll give you a small example of that. Uh, it was like a couple of months ago. We were at a um, meeting, and uh, one of the – it was the pastor's wife had asked me to come and play. I may have told this story before. I don't know. Uh, but I was like – I don't know. I don't, I don't want this to be about us or about our band. So I'm going to, you know, I, I want to put this before the father. Right. So that cycle of events. Right. So I'm like, you know what? And Rico was there teaching. So I was like, well, if Rico asked me to play, I'll play. <laughs> right. So I go and I'm doing something else. And I hear the father ask me, how would you like him to ask you? <laughs> right. So now I'm, it's not just one witness. It's going to be two witnesses. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm like, oh, that's specific. So I'm like, well, I want him to ask me in this specific way. End of the meeting comes. I think I'm in the clear. Rico looks up and asks me in the exact same words I said, mm-hmm. would you come and play? Right. So then I knew you know, you know, by those witnesses. So like you said, Daniel, mm-hmm. looking sometimes for that pattern and not just jumping into like, oh, well, this this must be from God. This is the first thing. But actually testing mm-hmm. it to make sure. All right. Let's let's explore down this road. Mm-hmm. Could I interject right there? That's why I was just, I wanted to bring up that point. You said pattern. And I think that that's one of the keys there is, Daniel, you talked about that lifestyle prayer, but I also, that's where it also comes in. When you are leaving a lifestyle on purpose, the Bible becomes a part of your life. So the Bible's full of patterns. And I think that if you look at, they, they've actually done studies on it and there's all these correlations between one verse, the other to the chapter, to book. There's so many correlations. It's just this beautiful, like just string theory going on. It's unbelievable. So studying the word is about understanding what patterns God has established over and over and over again. So then when you're in that moment of you're trying to figure it out, 
That's why reading the Bible is so important because those patterns will become so apparent. And all God's got to do is go, remember this pattern in, in the word? Mm-hmm. There you go. Go. Mm-hmm. I've had that happen so many times. So it's patterns. It's, we're, I think God will create us. He, we even know that we are such a pattern. Uh, we look for patterns in so many things as human beings. And I think that that was designed by him intentionally because patterns are super about order. Mm-hmm. In order to have order, there's patterns and it has to follow a certain way. God's a master at that. He really loves order, not chaos. So I think that's also cool. Back, back with that. I like that you said that right about pattern. Now, something to add here, uh, kind of as a caution. One thing that we can be capable of, though, is confirmation bias, where we will want an outcome so bad that we start demanding results out of things that are not of God. Right. So we start actually trying to find confirmation in places that we shouldn't find confirmation. Mm-hmm. Um, one, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish up. Okay. No, I, I was just going to say, I think <laughs> just as a supplement to your point, um, and then you finish up. Oftentimes, the thing that we are being prompted to do is something we don't want to do. And so that's, yes. that's kind of a, a key a key point is like, you know, that fear is constantly there. The enemy is constantly there trying to prevent us from doing what God wants us to do. And therefore not all the time, but a lot of the time it's going to be something that you are uncomfortable with, not just chomping at the bit to do. So go ahead and finish. Right. Now I was going to mention, Dave, you had a, uh, you taught me a wonderful concept years ago. And that was, uh, you had mentioned it in the context of when you first met Brittany, Mm -hmm. right? And so your prayer was, is you're looking for success in this. Is this relationship going to go somewhere? You know what I mean? Is she the one, right? So instead of just praying for the success of it, you put it in the Lord's hands so much to the point that you said, if this is not of you, I want you to destroy it beyond my own repair. Mm-hmm. That's a different level of, you know, getting out of the way and letting God move, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, versus that, oh, let me try to find confirmation in every little thing. So there's definitely a mindset change that has to yeah. go with this um, pattern mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. testing. Yes. And thankfully, he did not destroy it, which is wonderful. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> thankfully, exactly. Absolutely. Um, Ten years in. And one one verse, just to kind of cap that whole thought off, I can't remember where it is, but um, it says that faith comes by hearing Hebrews. and hearing by the word of God. Yeah, Hebrews. And so what it doesn't say is that faith comes by hearing the word of God. It's a two-part process. Faith mm-hmm. comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so the word being in the word of God leads you to being able to hear, which will increase your faith. And so it's just these, mm-hmm. these things that work together. So it gives you discernment is, is kind of what mm-hmm. that is. When you, when you, when you listen for those, when you're looking for those random acts, the, those those patterns, all of those things, and then you can go back and and you know a somewhat random story in the scripture that you know you read through it. It was like, well, you know, what does this got to do with anything? And all of a sudden, he reminds you of that story in the scripture. It's like, oh, wait a minute. You know, here's this person lived something very similar out to it, you know, and it kind of you start putting it together. So uh one of the things in in listening that I look for is that when things happen that I had no way of controlling that happening. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so let me get to my point after after 23 minutes. Let me finally get to the point. Um for the last couple of weeks, more than once. Um, and in fact, a number of times, two specifically, one from per- a person that is in his twenties, the other from a person who is in his, in their sixties. Um, I'm sitting down and I'm, I'm counseling them after a uh, meeting that I was doing. And in both instances, a verse comes out and I hear the verse. And this is where I started thinking later on. This is Satan's favorite verse. Mm. So, drum roll, please. Here we go. In the book of Mark, mm. Mark chapter um, chapter 3 and verse 25, excuse me, 28, it says, Yes, I tell you that people will be forgiven of all sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. However... 
someone who blasphemies against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is it guilty an eternal sin? I believe, guys, that that is Satan's favorite verse. Because numerous times in the last few weeks, I've sat down to counsel someone to talk with them about their relationship with God, and they've looked at me and said, I think that I have blasphemed the Holy Spirit, and there's no forgiveness. Mm. How many people are being held in bondage because of a random, a random, you know, I, I say to them, what is it that you've done? Well, I, I don't know. I, I can't answer that question, but I just think that maybe I've done that. Well, if, if it is conviction, wouldn't we be able to know what it was? I mean, does, does God just kind of trick you and, and, and allow you to go off and do something and then there's no way of repentance, and he's sitting up in the heavens going, <laughs> I got him, didn't I? No. No. Okay. I think first that we have to define what that verse is actually speaking about. Go context, context, context. So I, when this topic got brought up, I started looking into this because this is actually something that I dealt with in my teen years. So this oh. is a little close to home for me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, I, I thought, well, maybe I'm guilty of this. What if I've done this? That kind of thing, right? So then we get into like, okay, what is is blasphemy? What does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? And if you go into you know some of the the Greek and and everything, and you start looking at it, that can lead you down a road of you know, well, it's it's speaking harshly against, uh, reviling, um, you know, speaking vile and evil utterances about. Um, these various things. I would propose it means one thing, and we need to put it in the, con- the context of Yeshua. why is Yeshua saying this? What okay. does this verse actually come after? And it's after the Pharisees have accused him of casting out spirits because he himself is a demonic entity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So why does he follow that with this verse that we're talking about. I would propose that the reason he does that is because what they have done is actually spoken against the divinity of Yeshua Hmm. and his ability to redeem. Because if we believe that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one, right, and you are saying of the Son, the Messiah, you are of demons. You are saying of the Holy Spirit and of the Father, they are also. And we know that without Yeshua, there is no salvation. It's talked about that. You know, if, if we continue to sin after the, the sacrifice of, of our Messiah, what sacrifice remains for us, right? So if we throw Yeshua, in a sense, under the bus, there remains no hope for us. I think that's more the context that this verse should be looked at and would also go into for those who may be listening to the show or who um, have started to get maybe a little too far into some of their um, Torah research or into uh, a level of their faith where they want to deny the deity of Yeshua or their need of him now that they are keeping the Torah, I would caution them that would be the only time I would caution anybody, I believe, of this verse. Does that make sense? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm writing stuff down, man. <laughs> I think there's a, I think there's definitely a point there. I, um, yeah, I guess I'll just jump off what you were saying there because it seems like when you read it at first, you're like, wait a minute, that's whenever that happens in scripture, especially, I mean, it's it's all over the place where it'll be almost contradicting. But if it's not contradicting, if you're looking at it in context, and I think that that's exactly very, very important here. And you know, you know what, Mike, I have heard that many, many times what people have said that I believe I've done this and that. And that's always been the thing. You're right. That's kind of been funny to me is, well, where's the conviction of what you did wrong? And it's like, but there is none. Mm-hmm. So that makes me go, okay, if that's the case, I've, I recognize when people 
have this immense guilt and guilt will cause you to just totally go completely motionless to do anything because you think it's all lost for me. It's doom. Mm -hmm. I have no way. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. So if the, if the, if a person in scripture is telling you that you have no hope, that I read everywhere else that there's hope, there's hope, there's hope, there's hope, there's hope, all this hope. And it's like, I think that we're missing a point on that. I think Ryan's got a, I think Ryan's got a definitely a valid point on that. So if you look at that, it's like, okay, we got to have hope in this. We have to, there's got to be hope here. So where is that? Just to jump in one more time, there's 7,700 promises from God in scripture. So are we going to ignore 7,700 promises so that we can dwell on one verse? If you're letting one verse steal your hope, we need to go back and look at this. But isn't that what the enemy does? And Daniel, I'll turn oh, yeah. back to you in just a second. Yeah. So here's the difference between condemnation and conviction. Conviction gives you a way out. Condemnation doesn't. Conviction is like you get placed in a box and it's got a lid on it and you go, oh, well, I can just push the box, you know, push it open and I just jump out. Condemnation has a lock on the top of that box. You can't get out of it. The father doesn't condemn. He convicts. And his conviction is out of love. So we can then repent, return unto him and have that relationship restored. Daniel. Yeah, uh, I've got a few thoughts here. So uh, one of them, kind of a correlating idea is, you know, there's been a lot of talk over the last years of what the mark of the beast is. And the thing that always bothers me about it is that for it, it seems like people use it so flippantly, like people can just stumble into the mark of the beast. Um, yeah. You know, there's been one very recent thing. Um, I won't get into that, yeah. but, and, but whether it's, you know, this or, or that, the, you know, the microchip, the whatever it is, why would we think that we could even remotely on accident stumble into the mark of the beast that is going to be, I believe, an extremely intentional decision. And if God is throwing around, or if Yeshua is using this kind of language of an unforgivable sin, I think it's going to have to be more than just, like you were saying, Ryan, you know, this possible just kind of speaking ill of, of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be something a more intentional and serious. And, you know, one possible um, explanation for that, or just, something out there is, you know, God, whatever he does, he wants glory for himself. He's pretty selfish about his glory and he should be. Yeah. He is, uh, he is jealous. Uh, jealous is the word I meant to say. He's very jealous for his glory. He wants to flow through his people to establish glory and achieve glory for himself. And when we, when people when humans take something that he did, that was meant to give glory to him and attribute it to something else, anything else. Yeah. That is a serious, serious thing. And I think that, um, you know, one day to day, never mind. I'm not going to get into that one, but yeah, taking something that he did, like in this instance, the casting out of the demon and attributing to anything besides God is, he doesn't exactly like that. I don't think he likes that. And then the last mm -hmm. example I have is in Exodus 17, uh, verse seven, it ends with, you know, it's the, um, the scene of the people at the Meribah and the, in the waters and the people are complaining against Moses and the people ask at the end of that verse is Adonai with us or not. Yeah. Mm. And I think that kind of ties into what I just said of that thing of attributing glory to God instead of something else not asking is God with us, you know, is the Holy spirit doing this, but giving God the full glory that he deserves for everything that he does. Mm -hmm. We know the, the great thing is on this, on this word specifically that we can go back and um, I mean, Greek to me, uh, it, it all sounds Greek. I, I don't like the Greek language at all. Um, I loved, I love the Hebrew language. And so it's great that we can go into, uh, you know, programs and things that we have and we can type in the word blasphemy and it doesn't just show up in the book of Mark. It actually goes back into the book of Exodus 
and we can we can look at the we can look at this the account i don't like to use the word stories you know i was uh when i was growing up we were taught bible stories of of bible characters uh you know kind of like comic you know like bugs bunny and the roadrunner uh these are these are accounts these are real accounts of real people who went through real life trials and tribulations and victories and all these things mm-hmm. and so we can we can actually take the word and tie it into an account of someone's life. And that's a study for people on their own. But the word means to despise, to abhor, or have contempt of. Mm. It's like, you know, you're held, the judge says, mm-hmm. I hold you in contempt of this court. What have you done? You've totally broken the boundaries over and over and over again to the point that he says, I'm going to have to throw you out of this courtroom if you continue. If you continue to despise the authority, to even go to the place of abhorring it, uh, that's what's going to happen. Now, here's a here's kind of a little fascinating thing: is that the word um, the word blasphemy is um, is nun alif uh, uh, zadi, I believe it is. Um, there's a there's a word that's not exactly spelled the same, not exactly pronounced the same, but they have a very similar pronunciation. The word blasphemy, and the word for serpent, mm-hmm. oh, are pronounced almost the same, and both of them have a s- sound at the end. Interesting. Hmm. Very interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So how do we deal with this? Hmm. Somebody says to you guys, so I think that I have blasphemed, blasphemed the Holy Spirit. What do you say to them? I think I would go kind of where you went. I can say, well, can you give me the exact moment? Can you give me a definition of what you think that you did to obtain that curse? Okay. That's a good point because the father is not one. Just thinking of it in a sense of an actual family, you know, if I saw one of my children doing something wrong and then they kind of sensed that they did something wrong and they came to me and, you know, just playing this out, just like, just like we're, you know, very practical here. If they came to me and they said, I feel like I just did something wrong, but I don't exactly know what. What am I going to say? Well, you better just go and feel bad and guilty for a while until you figure it out. <laughs> what? <laughs> There's no, I, I want to, I want to be at peace with my family. I want there to be peace in my home. And if I see my child coming to me freely saying, I think I did something wrong, I'm going to help them address it. And so the father is not a, he is not a God of darkness. He is not a God that keeps things in darkness. He is the God of the light and of the living. And if you come to him and have done something wrong, or he sometimes just reaches out before you even do, he's going to show you the exact thing so it can be dealt with, so that the guilt and the shame can be eliminated forever. There you go. David, you want to add anything? I, yeah, I think I, I want to add that, like, I think your your direction was great. I think my... I think I would hope to do that example if someone asked me that, but I think where I was wanting to go originally, I would be like, why do you think that way? Or what, 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 what do you believe is the reason why? And usually they'll come from the example of, well, I just don't feel like I'm being used. I just feel like I'm just doing, I'm just here and I'm not doing anything. And I feel like God's forgotten about me. And I just feel like he's so distant, right? I feel like that's the common because I've had things like this, they never mention it like this, but I feel like then when then you're searching, you get confirmation bias by then going, that, that this is it. This is why I'm why God's not using me, why he's not speaking to me, and all this stuff. And then it's just like, wow, just it's a snare of the enemy was just laid before you. You just walked into it and then didn't go get didn't go looking for more uh patterns of proof to show that yes, you are in sin. You just went, that's it, it has to be that. And I think it has something to do with our culture of being so fast food minded. If mm-hmm. God's not using me right now, 
then I'm in sin. There's just no way. I'm in sin and I, I know there's something wrong with me. If he's not using me of every minute of every day, then I'm in sin. It's like we we hear we have what 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 are the prophets? I mean, they're like averaging around 40 to 30 chapters. It's like that can't be their entire life, but the, those are the most important aspects that God, through his infinite wisdom, made that those were super significant for those stories to be told about mm-hmm. those prophets. But that doesn't encompass yeah. everything of their life. So do you think there wasn't like time period of, you know what? They weren't really doing much. They were kind of just sitting there. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's kind of how I would want to approach it. But I think that going back to if you don't have conviction and you're showing up to a Shabbat, you're showing up amongst believers, you're doing all these things and you're searching and you don't have conviction, like, why are you doing this to yourself? Why are you mm-hmm. why are you condemning yourself? Why are you robbing the judgment seat of the father to judge yourself? That's weird. And and to your point, you know, let's let, let's put this in the aspect of the garden. We could we could say that eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was an unforgivable sin. Because yeah. it cast the entire world into a state of sin. Mm-hmm. And yet and yet, you know, we don't even really stop to define what the consequences of an unforgivable sin are. Does that one sin, if we, if he teaches us later in life, does that completely negate our, our eternity, our salvation? We don't even really stop to, to define that. But, but, you know, going to the tree, after they committed that sin, God did not hide from them. They hid from God. So, yeah. again, like you were saying earlier, Ryan, the context of this situation and this particular thing is so specific. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love, Dad, that you started it with that because, you know, the enemy likes to take things out of context. And so, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, we, we do that on both sides. Take take good verses out of context when it has nothing to do with the actual verse and then take the, the bad <laughs> verses out of context and be more <laughs> condemning. Yeah. Uh, what a what a fine line we have yeah. to walk. <laughs> we ain't right. <laughs> well, here's here's my answer, okay? And uh you guys have, have provided some some wonderful uh almost on the edge of theological dissertations uh for this. <laughs> and I, I think it's is great and and uh I hope everybody has got that. But here I want to just boil it down to here's my answer. So in the instances over the, and this is not just the last few weeks, I get this, I get this probably, um, th- this would be like the number one um, conversation mm-hmm. that I end up having with somebody somewhere along the way. This, this verse is going to come up because it's Satan's favorite verse. So he's going to make sure that they, that it's, it's right there in their head as they're talking to me. And I, so they'll, they'll, they'll bring this up and I'll say, well, that's kind of funny because, you know, if you've committed the unpardonable sin, I wonder why God has you talking to me. And then you just shut up. You just close your mouth and you let that sink in. And the next person that, that, you know, just let the other person just, just have that moment. And then you, you know, I just look at him and say, listen, you know, okay, let's just think this through here. You're sitting here talking to me about having a relationship with God. Well, if God didn't want you to have a relationship with him, why in the world would you have come over to talk to me? Does that make any sense to you? And you know, mm. you just kind of just just kind of get through all the stuff there, and all of a sudden you you just feel this lightness come over a person that that heavy blanket of condemnation begins to rise, and they go, well, you know, I, I guess that makes sense. And I normally will add in something toward the end that says, and I'll say, you know, because. I figured out something over the <clears throat> the thirty something years that I've been in ministry and and uh forty uh, almost forty years that I've been trying to walk with him is that God doesn't waste my time, and so if you're not redeemable, 
you're a waste of time and God wouldn't be wasting my time or yours. So let's get past that and really start talking about the restoration of your relationship. <laughs> like I, I, I want to jump off that recently. Well, it's not really recent, but well, something that happened for me that I was, uh, to, to those that are listening, you're, you might, if you're not in ministry, if you're not doing it, if you're not a part of something, if you're not, or you're just kind of sitting there on the sidelines and you think, well, if I was just a part of something, if I was just doing this, if I was just doing God's work, then I would be totally fine. <laughs> Newsflash. It's not, not all sunshine and roses. It's you. It's still struggle because you hear promises. You hear all these things that are, I know are from the father himself. But then when you reach those moments where you're not really feeling it and you're kind of low, maybe you're sick or something, or you got that cold because that family that you were helping came through and you know what? They, they didn't really, they, the germs got to you and you got sick and you're just feeling like, what, 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 what am I doing? Why am I feeling this way? Why, why, why? And then you start questioning God and you start questioning why he did that. And he goes, but didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you that trust is so important that God's like, he wants to build your trust. And when you're not feeling like you can trust the father, that'll happen. So the guy can go, just trust me. It's going to be okay. You're, you're going to have a moment soon. Just, just it's okay. You, you're going to, you're going to be used and you're going to be, you're, I'm going to work through you as that conduit. I'm going to work through you. Not being used. Yeah. You, you said that Mike, don't ever be used. <laughs> you said that before. <laughs> you're not going to be used. The father's going to work through you. Yeah. Just right now, there's other things going on. And, but you're so distracted with, oh, well, I must have offended the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And now you've just cut yourself off because now you're coming to him with this assumed guilt. And God's like, what, what is this? You're excluding yourself. You're hiding yourself away from me. That's kind of wild. <laughs> that when someone said that, I can't remember who it was, but that was like, Wow. You're hiding yourself when you're admitting to this. You're hiding yourself from the Father. Yeah, Daniel, you said that. Let, let me throw something in before, just, and I'll turn it over to you guys. Um, David, you said something, the one word over and over and over again, feel. Mm-hmm. Satan works through emotion. The yes. Father works through truth. Yep. If it's this, our relationship is not about feeling. Okay, if you've been married for a while, and I got all three of you beat combined. It's not always about feeling. It's about the truth of the covenant that you have. Mm-hmm. And our relationship with the father is not about how I feel guys. I mean, I went I, I didn't get in into the hotel room last night until late. Uh, it was like 11 o'clock went up to my room. They put me on the third floor all the way at the other end of the building and the key didn't work. So I had to walk all the way back down and then all the way back up. And it was really late. And I got and about five o'clock this morning. I woke up and had to get on the road. I didn't feel like getting out of bed, but the truth <laughs> yeah. was I needed to, right? We need to not work, you know, walk our life out based on feeling, but on truth. Go ahead, Daniel, Ryan. Well, this goes back to the scripture as well that says uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a mm-hmm. spirit of love and a sound mind. Mm-hmm. So if you are feeling, going back to that keyword, feeling afraid, something's wrong. I'm afraid. I'm feeling afraid that I have blasphemed against the Holy Spirit. Check it. And that's a better Check question it. than saying that you that you have offended the Holy Spirit. That's the better mm-hmm. question. Why am I feeling this way? Let me go to the Father because of why I'm feeling that way. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And bouncing off of that verse, uh, a lot of translations say a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Mm. And if you put it in that, if you put it in that way, then it's like we have we have the ability to have the self-discipline to have the 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 spirit of power and love. And I guess my closing thought would be, if God was so ready to put people under this ambiguous, not well-defined blaspheming of the Holy Spirit as a an unpardonable sin, then why did he send his only son yeah. after they ate of the fruit? Literally, you know, the more I think about it here as, as we're talking, 
the more I, I believe that that eating of that fruit was unforgivable because they couldn't have just said, I'm sorry. And that was it. God had to banish them from the garden. He had to do it. And yet everything beyond the guard from the garden to Yeshua was about Yeshua coming to, to make recompense, to, to cover the sins that were committed on that day. And so he spent thousands of years and sent his only son to forget, to cover in, in his blood, the sin that was committed. So why would we, like you were saying, Ryan, earlier, why would we overlook all of the promises in that entire time to focus on this one negative when it's ambiguous yeah. and it's not well-defined? Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. And I guess that's, that's a great segue, Daniel, to uh, next week's program. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to go ahead and let the uh, the subject go uh, and l- allow people to uh, think about it this this week. Is uh, a week from Wednesday is Passover, <clears throat> and this is the fulfillment, the ultimate fulfillment of uh, Passover is Messiah and his death, burial, and resurrection. And so we're going to devote the next week's uh, program to that. And um, so t- stay tuned next week, but. Uh, for the balance of this program, we've got about uh, eight or nine minutes. And uh, Daniel, I got a surprise for you. Hmm. Yeah, because I got surprised this past uh, this past Shabbat, something that I did not know. Um, there's a song that has become very, very important to me and uh, a part of my life in many ways because I listen to it every single week as it is the intro and the outro for uh, this podcast, and that is a song, uh, God of the Universe, Exodus Road Band, and uh, was written by Mr. Ryan Cribbs, none other than. But I never knew until this past Shabbat the way that song came about. So, um, David, I know you know this, uh, but uh, the the listeners don't. So I'm I would warn you, you might want to find a, a Kleenex or a uh, an old shirt uh, collar or uh, sleeve or something like that, because uh, th- this is uh, quite a special one. So, Ryan, tell us about the song. Yes. So um, that song came from a, uh, speaking of testing and uh, maybe that spirit uh-huh. of fear coming in, it came from a difficult place. I came home from work one day and um, – my wife said she was going to go up and make some dinner. So I proceeded to pick up my guitar and just start kind of noodling around a little bit on it. And about 45 minutes or so passed. And I thought, I'm not really hearing anything going on. You know, usually you hear her walking around and pots and pans and that kind of thing. And I'm like, that's kind of unusual. So I went to check and uh, found her. It, she, it looked like somebody had punched her in both eyes. They were, you know, black, deep black circles below them. And uh, she was very nauseous. She couldn't stand up, extremely dizzy. Um, And, I mean, as pale as could be. Like, it's it really, it scared me, you know. And I'm thinking, what is going on? And so we're we're trying to figure out what's happening. We called a um, nurse practitioner friend of ours, you know, what should we do? Should we take her to the emergency room? What's going on? Anyway, long story short, we end up taking her to a doctor to have some tests run because uh, it's kind of not going away. It'll subside a little bit. The symptoms will, but they'll just kind of then come back on pretty fierce and then subside a little bit and then come on again. And uh, so we take her to a doctor and the doctor runs some preliminary tests and uh, eventually looks at me and says, it would appear that your wife's brain is swelling and it is swelling enough that it's actually putting pressure on her eyes and if this is what we think then she may not have very long to live and so that news sank in that i was possibly going to love the lose the love of my life and um it's hard to find words to describe that feeling so i went home 
she went and laid down and I, the only thing I could think to do was to go before the father and pray. And as I went in there, I felt like, well, you know, maybe I should take a guitar kind of to Dave's point that he's brought up on another podcast for the spirit of heaviness put on the garments of praise. So I took the guitar into where I pray and I started noodling around on it and crying out, you know, father, what are you there? Do you, can you hear me? You know, what's going on? Why, why would you, please don't take her away, you know? And then the words to that song came to mind. God of the universe, maker of the stars, who am I that you would know my name? What kind of love would walk through fire to meet me in the flames? With all of heaven's glory, how could it be that the maker of the world cares for me? And him just reminding me of who he was and of his, his love and his care and that he actually was there. And he saw. And I know he saw because he did something because we went and we had an MRI done and they couldn't find anything. <laughs> and uh, she ended up getting completely back to normal. I think she ended up needing like glasses and a, a spinal adjustment from the chiropractor, right? So I'm thinking, well, that was it. You know, it was just a, a thing, you know, maybe a, just some weird symptoms that were kind of showing the sign of something. And so I had told this story at another congregation probably about six months after everything had happened, which was also, you know, she was only given about six months to live. So we were at that point, you know, where <laughs> we're, we're past that, that spot, right? And uh, a doctor in the crowd that I didn't know was a doctor at the time, he came and found me after the worship. And he had pulled up on his phone a list of symptoms. And he said, is this what your wife was having? And it was like, you know, just reading a, a list of everything that had been going on. And he goes, it wasn't the chiropractor. It wasn't the glasses. God really did heal her because he says, I'm a doctor. And this list of symptoms, and I forget the name of the disease or the, the, um, what she had, uh, the condition, I should say. He said, this is fatal. God did heal your wife. So that song means a lot to me because that was a element of the father showing up in a massive way. And another cool story to go with that, the first time I got to play that song at Sukkot, Sukkot's a very special time to me. Yeah. I played it. I could hardly make it through the song because of the tears. <laughs> and uh, the next day, I happened to be going to pick up some laundry from the little campsite laundry place so i'm i'm on the golf cart and i'm riding there and a uh, gentleman is walking on the side of the road and i stop and i say hey you know can i give you a lift back to your campsite and he goes yeah he says, i've actually been meaning to find you i've been walking around looking for you i'm like you've been looking for me he goes yeah he said i wanted to tell you that i really liked that song god of the universe he said right when you uh got to that like right when the chorus hit god of the universe maker of the stars he said, two shooting stars shot across the sky behind you. Wow. So that was another cool, like the father just kind of kept showing up in that, <laughs> using that song. Wow. So anyway, now you know the story of God of the Universe. There you go. Hmm. Pretty good, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing to add to that. Daniel, closing word? Oh, gosh. Who am I? She wouldn't know my name. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I got that. That's it. I got that. Who am I? Who are you that he would know your name? See, I, I guess the what I want to leave everyone with this week is this. If for some reason you have or you think you have uh, committed the sin of the enemy's favorite verse. I got a question for you. Why in the world would you have tuned into this program? Why would the father have brought you to life on purpose? Why would you have introduced you to the four of us on this program 
to discuss this issue if you have committed that. It's obvious to me that you haven't. And so you need to live in the truth. And the truth is that he knows the plans he has for you, not as plans of good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So with that, live your life on purpose. You're the God who's always there.